Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Scanline Talks. This week, we're here to talk to you about Night in the Woods. I am, of course, Colin Detmar of Scanline Media, and I'm joined, as ever, by Jen. Hey, how's it going? Uh, So, for those not familiar, if you're not, uh, Night in the Woods is a narrative-focused platformer. Uh, There's not very much platforming in it. It's not really about the platforming. On the PC, uh, it is... um, a story about a college dropout going back home and uh well i guess we'll get into it huh but like yeah it's a fairly realistic story with admittedly some fantastical elements but it's it's a story about about people and real world problems mostly yeah the impressive thing is the majority of the game is just you basically waking up every day deciding who to hang out with or just exploring the town more or less and they basically, it has this sort of progression where you keep visiting the same places over and over, and you'll either find new people, someone will move somewhere else, or you end up basically finding an entirely new secret that wasn't there earlier. And it's this really engaging sort of thing where it it doesn't feel like busy work so much as it just feels like going and exploring a place thoroughly, more or less. I really feel like a lot of this game uh, sort of relies on you getting attached to and familiar with like the characters and places in this town. And for that reason, I feel like it it has a slow start, and I think it kind of had to have a slow start. Like, there's no way to make what this game is and not have it have a little bit of, of, of warm-up time. Um, I don't know. I, I, of course, could be wrong about that, but it feels like... Nothing that dramatically different happens from the moment when the game was starting, and I was like, mm, I'm curious enough to keep playing, but I'm not sure, to the point where I was like, I really enjoy being with these characters. I don't feel like there was a dramatic turn. It just sort of built up to a way, you know? Yeah, it. the big twist doesn't feel like the crux of the story as much as just, well, the, the first time something actually happens, and you have a a more or less gamey goal that you didn't have earlier. It doesn't feel like it's the crux of the story so much as it is a thing that already happens to what's already going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... it's The game is, like, you know, a lot of these games are like, oh, it's a game about people. It's like, but no, but really, like, there is some supernatural stuff. It occurs fairly late into the game, mostly. There's There's some, like, May, the main character, has some weird dreams leading up to it but like those aren't expressly supernatural until the game says they are they could just be really weird dreams and they're not at all the point right like yeah Uh, i think the supernatural stuff in the game is good but it's not the game is really about people more than most games that people say are about people actually are yeah there is there is a bit of connection to some of the earlier dreams, even in that earlier stage before they start to mean something. Like, most of those earlier dreams are about finding these four musicians, then going to the center to be attacked by some sort of monster before you wake up. But uh, at some point, if you look around a bit later in, you start to find actual musicians hanging around the town and... You kind of bring them together more or less, and they have a they have an interesting reason for why the third one isn't there as well. Like there's supposed hmm. to be three, but there isn't a third. Yeah, I didn't see any of that. Yeah, that's another thing that's interesting about this game. 
it's impossible to see everything the first playthrough, and there's so much buried stuff. Like, uh, I don't even know if you came into contact with the rats or not. No, I did not. Okay, so basically on the second floor of the abandoned bookstore, sort of like in the, closer to the middle of town, there's a point where the window ends up getting cracked at some point, and you can go in, you find this dilapidated float from a fair long past, and you find a little colony of rats living in there. So, you know that pierogi stand um, near the, sort of like the tunnels? Mm-hmm. You basically start shoplifting the pretzels there to feed your little rat family until they grow up and move out. There's a fair bit of shoplifting in this game. Yeah. I mean, I've only I only encountered that specific one and the one where you're at the mall shoplifting, but you can do a fair bit of shoplifting. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I had an option. I think I had an option to shoplift the pretzels, but I didn't have a reason to because I hadn't done the stuff with the rats. Um other than just, you know, it's it's a pretzel. Um I don't know. Like this is a good moment to mention. Um the main character may is kind of an asshole. <laughs> um, she's kind of a shitty person. Um, and not like, she, I don't think she is like evil, right? As, as weird a term as that is to use for, for that. And like, I think she'll probably get better about it, but like, she's pretty inconsiderate. She's pretty selfish. She's pretty short sighted. And, yeah, she's just kind of shitty. Um, but it's like, and like I did, you know, my my message history to Jen is a history of me being like, oh god damn it, May, shut, stop. <laughs> um, but it's really good because I feel like like she's, you know, first off, she's an asshole in a way that's in ways that are really realistic and believable and make sense for the character, but also like. It usually bites her in the ass, to be honest, and that's good to see. It's not like she always gets like, oh, she really gets hers, but like one of her best friends, Bay, uh, or B, I B, don't know how yeah. you probably for full Beatrice, name Beatrice, right, right, right. Um, May and Bay would have been funny, <laughs> but um, B calls her an asshole pretty regularly and is basically always right. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's it's a bunch of like the main character is yeah, is this asshole, this this inconsiderate jerk. And I think everyone around her is pretty aware of it, but also is like, well, she has her she has her she doesn't mean ill. She just has these she she's this thoughtlessness and this kind of self-centeredness and she wants to do the right thing. And that counts for a lot, you know? Totally, yeah. She just has these episodes, more or less, where she'll say inconsiderate things or she'll act out without realizing that she's acting out. And she's often has breakdowns in those moments, but for the most part, her friends are there to calm her down and let her know that things are all right. For example, there's this... There's a specific scene, I think, in The Donut Wolf, where... May goes into the bathroom, and then suddenly she has an episode where she just starts breaking everything in the bathroom, like the sink, the mirror, all that, and is basically 
one of the friends has to rush in and basically calm her and sort of comfort her as she's freaking out. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. What causes that? I think it's when you go to the Donut Wolf. I didn't ever go to the Donut Wolf. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there might be a lot of stuff like this. Did you go to the mall? Yes, okay. I did. That's that's another pretty great moment of when her personality quirks actually work out for the better. Like, she mm-hmm. gets B to open up near the fountain, basically, when B tells her about a how she used to think that fountain was sentient and that the voice from above was God. So May climbs up there, shoots a bunch of imaginary people with the water while B's just losing it, and it starts commanding B with the fake voice of God going on. And that's a really cute moment. Yeah, I think I think part of what makes her an asshole is this sort of um she doesn't like she doesn't really consider the consequences of her actions very well. Um, but that also sometimes leads her to, to do things that are really like, like that, like, okay, it's a bad idea to like jump, like she's jumping from like ceiling ornament to ceiling ornament of these like pieces of art that are being held up by cables to reach this catwalk where this device is and then spraying random people with water. And that's like, mm, that's not cool. But like, well, no well, one got weren't real. What? The people weren't real. Why do you say that? Because the mall was pretty much abandoned except for those two. And when the fountain thing started, it started populating with a bunch of people. Jen, they were real. Oh. <laughs> huh. Um. Yeah, It. I mean, it's a scripted sequence, which is why people start to appear. But like, I mean, Bay, I keep doing that. B <laughs> is is like is like between laughs being like stop you're going to hurt somebody. Oh. Huh. Um and she doesn't. But like no, those were real people. She wasn't just hallucinating that. Which cuz May doesn't really hallucinate stuff very much. That's not really how her how her mental issues seem to work. Like she gets ideas in her head that are maybe not right, but she doesn't do very much of seeing things. Yeah. For the most part, the things that you see that she's seeing that disturb her are in her dreams, more or less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and have have a somewhat supernatural explanation to an extent. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think like it's it's a weird game to describe because you know so much of this is just going to sound pedestrian, and it's like the writing is really on point. These characters all come across really like. They have strong personalities. They see. They really seem to like. I was gonna say like each other, but that's not always the case, and that's kind of the point. Like, um, at one point, I, I guess this is probably optional as well. But you go to a party in another city with B, and the party is being run by one of B's friends, and that friend does not like you, and um, is is pretty blunt about that fact when push comes to shove. And it feels really honest, right? Like, the people who like May are, like, accepting of her and sort of have, have call her out on her BS, but generally enjoy being around her. And the people that don't like her, again, treat her in ways that are realistic and, and feel right. Yeah, and you can see, all the, you can see this background where 
this other person really does care for B the way that you do too, but she understands how you can hurt B at times, so in her own way, she is kind of protecting B by telling you off, more or less. I mean, I was totally on her side. Um, it's like, no, yeah, you're right. May is an asshole, and probably she should leave B alone. And I think, I think at, by the end of the game, it's like, no, this is a positive relationship. But at that point in the game, I absolutely agreed with her. Like, no, May is, is bad for, for B. May is, is bad for most people in her life. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe maybe not Greg and Angus just because <laughs> of how that works for them, but they, they handle her better, you know? Yeah. And it's and that- it's really nice that uh, one of the really impressive things about the writing, aside from just the really whip-smart dialogue that usually when they try and do whip-smart dialogue with these sorts of characters, it can sound really awkward and forced, but I don't know exactly how they did it, but it sounds incredibly natural here. And during the scene when you're hanging out with one of the scenes where you're hanging out with Greg and you go on the bike ride, you do the knife fight in the woods, you shoot a rifle at this target, more or less. It jumps from that to a really real moment with Greg where he talks about how he's gutter trash, essentially, and how he doesn't know why Angus even likes him and... It, it It's really impressive how it can jump from this really action-packed, sort of goofy situation into something that feels really real. And mm-hmm. I think that's because that's how things work in real life, too. Like, you go to see a movie, you talk with friends after, and sometimes real things come up. And it has, an, it has a really great idea for pacing that that feels more natural than any of the teenage games we've played in the past. And also, I feel like it does a really good job of representing how, like, when we're with different groups of, like, you know, there's that 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 sort of concept of, you know, we all put on different masks, right? When we're under different in different situations, and I think it's important that, like, I mean, those are all those are all us. Um, it's just different sides of ourselves, and we act differently with different friends. And games don't really represent that very well. Um, very commonly, and I think that's one of the things that Night in the Woods does so fantastically, is you have these different people you hang out with, and, like, you hang out with Greg, and you're doing, like, minor crimes and vandalism, and just, like, breaking things, right? And just having some some kind of wild and crazy fun. And you hang out with Angus, and you sort of look at the stars and talk about constellations. And you hang out with B, and because you kind of suck. You talk about why she's messing up her life and how you would do things differently because you're a bad person. But they're just these different relationships and different dynamics and different sides of the character. Um, which brings me to Selmer's. Yeah. Selmer, the impressive thing about the side characters like Selmer's is they... The setup where you're just walking around day to day and talking to minor characters gives these minor characters the same sort of depth you get from the main cast, essentially. So spending a lot of time with seeing how they are day to day and just seeing their various patterns. Sometimes they're angry, sometimes they're up for being goofy. Just gives them a dimension most games miss. Mm-hmm. 
and you don't obviously you don't get as much content with them as you do with the main cast but the way it's done when you are with them it's it's you know it's like being with anyone else they have the same level of of presence and and consideration given to them um and selmer's is a a girl who um hangs around she seems she seems a little melancholy she writes poetry and she she talks pretty like I like her as a character because I think I I think she's pretty cool. You know, she hangs out, she writes poetry, and she just seems like friendly and thoughtful. But what I really like about her, and it's one of the things about this game, is a lot of the reasons I like characters is not just for who they are, but also for how May reacts to them. And I feel like May is probably her best self with Selmers and with Angus. And that's part of why I like Selmers so much is like when May is with Selmers, she's really thoughtful and considerate and considered in a way that she isn't most of the game. Yeah, she goes out of her way to be nice to Selmers and just talk about casual things in ways that she's too she's too forward to do otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she she it Selmer's mellows her out in a really good way and I actually had a, a there's a secret hope so all of these characters are are anthropomorphizations of animals um and Selmer's is a bear and later in the game when you go to the party with with B there is another there is a bear there who is who has her hair done up all all fancy like and she has some makeup on and she majorly hits on uh, May, and May is interested but gets called away, basically. Um, and I was really hoping for a reveal that that was Selmer's, but <laughs> that did not happen, and that's that's fine. But basically, like, May appears to... May is, is figuring out a lot of stuff, including her sexuality, probably is interested in ladies. That seems, that seems to be the case. And I feel like I, I really want like you know this is this is getting into like fanfic territory but she and selmers should really hook up just so selmers can make her a better person i mean like they seem to enjoy each other's company selmers is cool and selmers is good for may yeah i i could see that may talk when may actually talks about her sexuality at one point just says that she'd be cool with either a guy or a girl more or less so Mm -hmm. she's she's apparently bisexual yeah, I I think probably she hasn't like she hasn't thought that too, thought too hard about it. So yeah, like most I get things. The impression. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. It's. I feel like it's hard to sell people on this game, um, and you know I'm not I'm not morally obligated to sell copies here or anything, but like I. So many of these, when games have tried to tackle these kinds of stories, stories about, like, fairly realistic characters growing up and growing as people, I've really hated it. And I I really like this game, and it's, like, so... I don't know, you feel weird being too much in the position of being an advocate, but, like... Yeah, there's something really special about the writing and the art style, and the game's position because you know any any game has its its tone and its its message you know intended or otherwise the game is saying something and the game just comes from a really 
honest and thoughtful place about what it's like to sort of grow up and struggle with your problems and and deal with relationships that are complicated and you fuck up and you've got to try and fix them and, and nothing's ever neat, you know? Yeah, and it also feels remarkably honest from a small-town perspective. Like, I can't speak to that too much because I haven't been in many of those situations where I'm living in these incredibly small towns that are struggling financially, more or less, but the way that it's handled here feels like it's not really talking down to that sort of perspective. It's just showing that as a reality and showing how those people are doing their best to get by and are just as funny and thoughtful as the rest of us. Mm -hmm. I can't can't totally compare to that perspective because, you know, I don't think I've lived in any place nearly as small as as Possum Springs in, in Night in the Woods, but, like, I spent a lot of my time growing up in a, a city called Carbondale, carbon as in coal, like, basically, Coal Town is the name of the place. You can guess, <laughs> like, hey, coal mining's not that big a deal anymore. Maybe this town has kind of felt the impact of that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it has. And, you know, it's it's still, that, that town is not, like, on the verge of collapse. It's doing fine. But you could still feel in in the city and sort of in the culture sort of the growing pains and i think that's very much the case in possum springs and it's adjusting very poorly and the game does have some some thoughts on on the politics of that right yeah it's um this game was actually written and seemed to be plotted out before any of the 2016 election stuff happened but it very much nails that sort of perspective people talk about where a group of people are angry that these specific jobs like coal mining and various mills and factories are shutting down. So they blame others for it and they are willing to sacrifice others in order to bring that back, even though that will never be coming back. I really love the way that B confronts people who think like that about sacrificing others to bring back the jobs. They inconvenience the young in order to build their old par- their old paradise back. And B basically takes a look at them and goes, hey, you seem like you're several generations after that sort of stuff started to dwindle down. You're just fighting for a... a you're just fighting for a cause that you were never even a part of on some level and you're fighting for glory days that never actually existed. So you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like there, there is, you know, we've, we've hinted at, there is a supernatural element in this game and it, it ties into people sort of trying to revive the town's old glory. And it's, it, it hints at what, yeah, as, as Jen said, it hints at what is so often the case, which is like, you never saw this old glory that you think you're resurrecting. You're just like, you're upset about how things are, and someone told you who you were allowed to blame for that, and you're just carrying that on. Um, it's, I don't know, I wasn't like as impressed by the, the, like the prediction, I guess, personally, because, I felt like this, like the, like it's it's good, but like 
it didn't feel like like seeing the future. It feels like this is a reality we've been sort of slowly building towards for a long time of the disgruntled like lower class lower class um more like lower income area you know like all this all the small towns in America that are dying have this bitterness and don't know what to do about yeah, it. I guess I find that impressive because like the teen dialogue it's a it's something that is very rarely talked about with this much precision because it comes from it comes from developers who have talked with people like that who know people like that in their mm-hmm. lives so they're able to speak to that specific perspective in a more accurate way than even well in the past that sort of commentary has been in the form of things like DMC Devil May Cry having you be a fake Fox News um, caster until he gets killed. Yeah, it's it's rare for them. It's rare for these subjects to be addressed without like three lenses of both hyperbole and metaphor thrown over it. Um, and you know, there's still there's still a little there's still a little. There's still some filters there, right? It's still, you're dealing with, um, you know, without getting too specific, eldritch horrors, um, which, hey, I've got my problems with conservatives, but they're not actually eldritch horrors. Um, but, you know, it, it still feels really, really direct and honest about, you know, Jen and I are both liberals, and we have opinions about the uh, the attitudes that are that are leading our country to... Oh, we're also both Americans, if you didn't know. I guess yeah. I should say that. Um, but so some attitudes in America that are leading us towards regressive and gross and bigoted bullshit. Um, and I think I think Night in the Woods is right there on the same page with us. But more or less, yeah. You know, it's it just isn't as interested as patronizing um, that community, more or less, or people within those specific states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know I'm not either. I don't think there's anything to be gained from that. But yeah, <sighs> mini games. <Yeah. laughs> Let's talk it. about mini games. So yeah, um, aside from the shoplifting, you can basically the game when it's not having you go in a side-scrolling left to right, talking to people or doing a bit of miniature platforming. You're doing things like essentially shoplifting or breaking incandescent light bulbs that are in a stock room. And my favorite one is actually playing the music. I mean, playing bass with your friends in your garage band sort of situation. It kind of mimics Guitar Hero, except you're playing it with a controller. The buttons are a bit awkward, and it's... It, it throws a lot of notes at you in certain songs. And the expectation isn't really that you're supposed to do, play it well. You're just supposed to try playing it. And if you screw up, that May hasn't picked up a bass in years. So you'd probably screw up at that too. <laughs> yeah, I felt like it, it kind of... It does hedge its bets on its minigame a little bit with that. And I think it's, it's fair and it helps it a lot because... Um, I didn't feel like I did very well, but at, at, after the last one, it gave me an achievement for doing really well on all of them. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't <laughs> feel like I did. Um, 
and that's good because I I feel like the the way the UI is set up in that like it it sometimes can be really confusing like there are parts where you have to hit one key like 20 30 times in a row and it's really hard to keep track of how many times you're supposed to hit it you'll probably miss one or two um and also I didn't play on a controller I played on a keyboard um, and saying, hearing you say you played it on a controller, it's like, oh, that would be way easier because the notes were on one, two, three, four, Ooh. and that's really cramped. Um, it was really like certain parts where it was switching notes real fast. Like the first couple of songs, I just had my four fingers across one, two, three, four, and that got really disorienting really <laughs> fast. And then I started doing like both hands on one, two, and then the other one on three, four. And that was really tight space for two hands. And it was, uh, it didn't feel great. Um, I had a decent time with it anyway, but I had, I, I, I found that a little bit frustrating. Yeah. The part for me that basically the game has no actual voice acting. So that's usually fine in the various situations. The game doesn't really need voice acting, but the part of the mini game that kind of frustrated me sometimes was lyrics would be showing on the bottom of the screen for this particular song, and I wouldn't really be able to read them that well because I'd be too focused on playing the notes as well as I could. Mm-hmm. For sure, it's it's you could you could read during the really quiet parts, but when things got fast, it was hard to. Um, and I like the songs. Mostly fairly, there are there are like I think it's like four songs total probably. Um, I think I liked two out of the four, so that's pretty good, all things considered. Given that they're supposed to be like a shitty college student band, um, so that's yeah, something. soundtrack in general though is fantastic. Like it has a bunch of great mood music that plays in the right points. Like I don't know if you ever ran into the specific weird Wiccan cult that was around once or twice. Maybe you did in the graveyard, mm-hmm. but they were also around mm-hmm. other times. It was this great mm-hmm. moment of these teens dressed in black kind of having a boombox next to them playing generic uh, creepy music, and they were fun to run into every time because their little theme really endeared me to them. <laughs> Now, one other mini game I want to call out is the uh, the ro- little roguelike you can play in game, uh, Demon Tower. Um, how did you feel about Demon Tower, Jen? I stopped playing it after the first few floors. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was, I just thought, oh, it's a whole roguelike in here. That's pretty neat, and. I got as far as I usually do in roguelikes and went, okay, that's enough, and went back to the rest of the game. Yeah, I probably played, I don't know, maybe seven floors of Demon Tower. Um, and I found it kind of frustrating. Um, one, I felt I felt like there were just certain parts of the tuning that were off, but like, I feel like it's a really tricky thing to include a second game within your main game if you're not going to put in the time to fully flesh it out. Um, like, I'm not trying to chew them out for this at all. It's it's a neat little thing. It's neat that it's there. But it's frustrating how flushed out 
or fleshed out it is without actually being fleshed out. There are a lot of floors, but there's no real mechanical progression, and it just doesn't... I don't know. I I thought it was neat. I think I think the right thing to do is to do what you did, is to play a couple of floors and then move on, because if you stick with it, you're going to get irritated, I think. Yeah. I, I've heard some people really enjoy it, but I really got nothing out of it. Other than, oh, yeah. hey, it's awesome that someone put a whole roguelike in this. Well put most of a roguelike in it. I'm a roguelike snob, folks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is there, like... I'd like to keep this podcast on the shorter end, and I feel like we've we've covered a lot of what we want to cover anyway. Is there anything else you want to touch on? I guess most of my other stuff would be talking about characters that I really liked or moments that I found within the game that I'm not sure you found or not because they get hidden various places Mm -hmm. yeah and i i was fairly i was fairly main threat like i did some exploration at certain points and i felt like i mean it's probably just luck but most of the times i chose to explore i was not rewarded with anything for it and i kind of stopped bothering to an extent did you Um, did you ever get some of the optional hangouts like there's sort of hangout moments that are of the same length as you do with other characters except they're with the side characters no, I didn't. Okay. That, yeah. You basically get those by and talking to the right person at the right time at various moments. Like, there's a moment where you can go up to your mom working at the church desk, and she's like, I want to go exploring a bit. And you go out to a tower and hang out. And you can also hang out with Germ at some point if you catch him at the right place. And it's basically stuff like that. My favorite side, one of my favorite side characters who you can do that with, I'm blanking on her name, but she was this mouse girl that liked to hang out on the rooftops pretty often, way Mm. into pizza and horror movies and stuff that May's pretty down with, so sort of in the same way she had great conversations with Summers, it was a nice moment to go over and May basically telling her, oh man, you have things figured out way more than I did. I was just going on to shitty online forums when I was your age. Mm-hmm. I do, you mentioned uh, May's mom. I do want to take a second to call out that, like, I really feel like they did an amazing job with May's parents. Um, May's, like, May's mom is really, like, sharp and insightful, but really, like, considerate and thoughtful, too. And then May's dad, um, I feel like he's kind of like, he, he, you know, he, they both care about May a lot and he's a little less clued in. He seems like he's a little less observant about her problems, but he cares and he wants to help. And they're just, you know, they feel like realistically, like sort of uninformed because their child isn't talking to them very much, but considerate and, and concerned parents. And I really, I really appreciated their portrayal. In yeah. There. And occasionally they have breaking points more or less because the work that they do is really complicated and there's financial stress with the situation they're in but overall it's handled in a way that doesn't make you hate them the way that other games tend to swing too far and make the parents very hateable yeah i feel like i mean it's it's one of the things the one of the side effects of this like may is 20 
and everyone else, like, I mean, you know, there are characters that are younger, but like her and most of her crew are, are in their early twenties. Um, and it's a very different time than these games that we've seen in high school where like, Hey, most teenagers think that every adult is the enemy. <laughs> right. And like, it's realistic to portray them that way and to sort of therefore like in their game, have all the adults be assholes because that's how teenagers see them. But it's really tiring. Um, and it's nice that like, I mean, there are certainly assholes in this game, but like most of the people, if you, if you look at them the right way, it's like, no, you're, you're a pretty decent person. And it's just like, you're having a bad day or you're tired or, you know, or nothing. You're just being cool. So yeah, it's a game that acknowledges well that, a family that tacos together, rockos together. Precisely. I think that's, uh, that's probably a good place to call it. Um, Night in the Woods is on Steam. It's, what, it's like 20 bucks, 15 bucks? I think it's 20 but um, I have to check. It's it's worth the money. It's a it's a very good game. Yeah, it's 20. Um, it's, it's, I, my playthrough was probably seven hours and I was short on the side content and there is a lot for me to do if I go for a second playthrough. I probably should. I, I, we highly encourage you to check this one out. It's, I, I expect to be talking about it again at the end of the year if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. No, it was a really, it was a really nice surprise, to be honest. I didn't expect to like it and I'm glad I did. Yeah. I wasn't sure what to think of it. I was just, from the beginning, since, I followed their Kickstarter a little. Kickstarter a little. I was really impressed by the art style and the premise seemed pretty cool, but I wasn't expecting it to be built quite like this. And it was such a pleasant surprise that, yeah, at some point later this year, it's easily going to be something I'll be bringing back up. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. We're going to go ahead and uh, and call it here, and. Uh... If you want to see more coverage for, uh, you know, probably more coverage for Night in the Woods soon, and also other games and such, you can go to scanelanemedia.com, where we have other podcasts and articles on games. Uh, and also, if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash scanelanemedia. Anything you contribute there will be, uh, you know, used for buying new games or new hardware. None of it goes into our pockets. It's just used for the purposes of coverage. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you next time. Have a good evening.